Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Truth to Power here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMP LP Louisville, broadcasting from here in the historic Habern Building in downtown Louisville at 106.5 FM. And we also live stream to the world anywhere with an internet signal. You can tune into our station live at forwardradio.org. You can also find uh, podcast versions of all of our local programs there. If you want to share something you heard with anyone else, you can find it archived at forwardradio.org. Org. And it's also the place to go to support the station. We are a radio for the people, by the people. We couldn't possibly do this without you. Yes, we need your ears listening, but we need your dollars supporting the station. It's entirely listener-sponsored. And we also need your volunteer power uh, behind these microphones and behind the scenes to keep this great community resource going. So click participate or donate while you're at forwardradio.org. My name is Justin Mogg, uh, and I am one of the co-hosts of Truth to Power. And what we do on this program is gather folks from around the community for discussions about important uh, topics of the day, issues that you may have seen something about in the news, but certainly didn't have a full hour to discuss with your neighbors. And I use that term very intentionally today because... I've got a bunch of my neighbors up in the studio today, and I'm really excited to uh, meet some new neighbors and talk about a project that has really been affecting not only our neighborhood of Paristown Point, uh, but all the neighborhoods around it for sure. And you might say it's affect all, all of our urban development in a sense. What we're talking about is the Urban Government Center Redevelopment Project uh, and the proposal that has been accepted by Louisville Metro called Paris Town Green from Underhill Associates. Uh, and we're going to get an update on that. Some of you may have seen, you know, been by this vacant and abandoned property for, for years now, wondering what is up with that thing. Uh, we're, we're hoping to fill in some of those gaps today uh, with some great folks who are joining me in the studio, uh, both in person and virtually today. Uh, so let me go around and introduce everybody we've got here, and then we'll sort of start with an overview. Uh, one of my new neighbors I'm meeting today is Sean Sinnott. Welcome, Sean, to Ford radio thank you i'm excited to be here this this project is very meaningful to me because i i can look out my bedroom window and and see the 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 former hospital i walk by it every day uh, almost it so i i'm excited that there are more people coming together to help this particular project come to fruition yeah um it's just been sitting way too yeah. long and it's 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 you know, it brings health hazards. It brings uh, eye, eyesore. Right. Um, and it's it's actually one of the most beautiful structures in our neighborhood. I know. So thank you all <laughs> for coming together and inviting me to the table. John, what street do you live on? I, I live on the corner of Breckenridge and Schiller. That's right. Wonderful. Okay. And I live in Parastown Point as well. I'm a homeowner there. Uh, I bought the house in, in 2010. Uh, fully paid off already. I, I'm so proud to be free from the, the bank. Don't own it. I do. That's awesome. <laughs> and I've lived there for uh, over 10 years now on Guyon Court uh, at Lambton, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lovely little pedestrian court there that was redeveloped in, in, in the 90s. Um, but my house is one of the originals from 1925. So uh, I, I also garden uh, immediately adjacent to the property. We have the Paristown uh, Point Community Garden that is immediately adjacent to Vine Street parking lot. Uh, so I've put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and very few tears, <laughs> except when I get uh, thorn maybe from the the raspberries uh, into that land as well. So thank you for joining us, uh, Sean. Uh, also with us uh, is uh, uh, we have uh, 
I don't know who to introduce next. Let's go to Steve Weiser. Steve yeah. Weiser is uh, an architect, a for- former architect. Are you retired now? I am retired. I retired at the end of uh, 2019, which was a good date to do due to the uh, COVID situation. But yes, I'm a local architect, and uh, although I do not live in the Paris Town neighborhood per se, I've been an urban advocate for most of my career for the past 40 years. I've been dealing with the neighborhood residents many on many occasions, efforts to uh, make Louisville a better place in which to live. I think that's my overall goal, and I think that's what we're all here about. How can we make this city a better place to live. And I think this Paris Town Green proposal is a game changer for the Paris Town, Germantown area, and that whole region there will really make it an attractive, affordable place in which everyone can grow and prosper and make it a good place to live. Fantastic, Steve. And let's just be clear. Did, did you have any role in any of the development proposals? for? The- uh, no, I did not. I was just an advocate to make something good happen Thank there. you. Thank you for clarifying that. Another neighbor joining us in the virtual studio is my fellow gardener at the Paris Town Point Community Garden. Uh, he's also a colleague at the University of Louisville. Welcome, uh, Nick Mellon. How are you doing, Nick? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I, I want to listen in to hear where the conversation is going for a while before I... Oh, that's fine. Yes. Well, I'm just so glad to have you here as well. Uh, Some other uh, folks that uh, I want to introduce, Martina Kuneke, you all got to meet Martina on, uh, was it just last week on Truth to Power? We had a great hour-long conversation with you from, uh, uh, tell us about your background, Martina. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Martina Kuneke, President of Neighborhood Planning and Preservation. Uh, We advocate for communities all over the metro area, so we have our hands in a lot of pies. I also used to live just on the border of Paris Town at 1122 East Brickenridge years ago. And when I lived there, that structure was the center of activity for the neighborhood. So I recognize how a fully functional structure that's serving a cross-section of community needs is so important and how different it made that neighborhood look, you know, eons ago. So uh, I also should mention that we attempted to landmark the structure uh, before COVID and we ran into some complications. Uh, And I would like to put this back on the plate to be landmarked. So hoping we can have some discussion about that today. Oh, yeah, that's a great topic for sure. Uh, and we're, we're not done with introductions yet, so let me, let me wrap it up with a couple, uh, a couple guests who are here with us uh, who are actually associated with the Paris Town Green proposal. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Jeff Underhill from Underhill Associates, joining us briefly here at the beginning just to give us sort of a status update. Right, Jeff? Uh, Yes, thank you, Justin. Um, I am happy to be here, um, but I do not. uh, People have heard from me many times (laughs) over the years, and so I want to certainly um, give up the time to others that maybe aren't heard and and are uh, residents of the neighborhood. Um, I will tell you that I'm here simply if there is anything factual about the proposal, anybody wants clarification. That's great. But then I'll slide out and let comments be made. My offices are in the Germantown Mill. I'm, you know, 
uh, less than a mile from this location. Uh, I'm, I, I, I live the area. Um, this would be a wonderful restoration project. Uh, we're very committed to making it happen. Um, we uh, proposed the first RFP and were the first choice then. We were this last time. So we're committed to make it happen. We can deliver, we believe, with the RFP requirements up to approximately $50 million toward this effort. We did ask for financial assistance from the city for a portion of it because it is an RFP. It's not a straight out purchase. And then we have to bank whatever happens. Two things that have happened since we were selected uh, last no November. I want to clarify, we asked for $8.7 million. The city, Louisville Forward, countered and said that they would want us to pay for the environmental cleanup and also pay LMHA uh, approximately $1.6 million to pay off a debt they have. That took it to $13.7 million, which was still quite a bit less, less than half of what our competitor had put in their ask. Um, it, it, there's some confusion over the fact that the city is indicating that they had said there would be no city money. That was never in the RFP. It is visible for everyone to see. It was a condition that was added after they selected us. And so we just think there's so many ways that can be paid back to the city in it and better security for the neighborhood no more cost to upkeep that property future property taxes improvements for the area materials taxes uh construction payroll and occupational taxes so i'll sign off at that point here I'll let you well, move on. well let me just uh interrupt you briefly so we can finish the introductions and i definitely want to come back to you for some more details but the, our very last guest with us uh joining us in the virtual studio Studio is Sherry Rose. It's so good to meet you, Sherry. She is CEO and Executive Director of the Thrive Center, which you can learn more about at thrivecenterky.org. Sherry, welcome to the program. Tell us briefly what the Thrive Center's uh, connection to the Parristown Green proposal is. Sure, and thanks, Justin, for having me on. Uh, we're excited about it, but you know, I have to tell you, we weren't part of the RFP. We learned about it after the fact, and I do remember uh, reading what Underhill and Associates had proposed uh, on what they wanted to build out there. And it was exciting to us because we're actually an innovation center located uh, on 204 East Market right now. And we had always looked at an expanded vision of what we could do around wellness and aging and affordable housing. And so we get contacted from cities across the U.S who reach out to us because they know we're always looking at innovative technologies and solutions. And uh, they're all uh, preserving uh, historic hotels and uh, making it into senior living apartments. And so we're asked constantly to uh, come into their city mm -hmm. and to build out a Thrive Center and to work uh, with their affordable housing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we can do this right out our back door. And <laughs> What's interesting is I, on uh, July, I think it was July 2nd, I was at the cafe eating lunch. Oh, yeah, right in our neighborhood. And I, I looked around at Paris Town Point and all the buzz and activity and uh, Louisville stoneware and people eating lunch and, and setting up for a July 4th uh, celebration. And I just looked down the street and I thought, oh, my gosh, what this could be right. was so <laughs> exciting. 
and then to think that, well, maybe it won't happen uh, was uh, a little disappointing. But, uh, uh, you know, we can talk more about uh, what uh, Thrive's interest is. But I'm really wanting to hear from the residents because we will be doing a project at Highland Community Ministries, nice. uh, working with some residents on an innovative solution uh, uh, in music therapy. This is great. I'm so excited to assemble you all, and I really do want to hear from you. But I also want to sort of be sure I'm respecting our listeners who may not, you know, well, I don't live there. What do I care about this project? Don't even know about the project. So let's let's start with a little bit of back up and just give a little overview of the project. What we're talking about is government property uh, that is now surplus, bounded by Barrett Avenue, Breckenridge Street, and Vine Street. It's about 12 acres, or was originally when it included a parking lot across the street on Vine. And it's it's one of Louisville's largest pieces of vacant land in a prime area uh, for, for development, for dense urban living, uh, for green space. It's close to downtown, the Highlands in Germantown. And the property once housed, of course, government offices, a police substation, coroner's office, and Louisville Metro Housing Authority. I've also heard residents talk about, I was born in the Baptist Hospital, right? So there's a lot of community connections going way back to this historic property, which maybe we can talk about when we talk about landmarking. But it was years of neighborhood meetings and input and uh, that that began, I can't remember the exact date. I don't know if anybody happens to remember like when the first public conversations about this surplusing was, but it was way back in December of 2017 that the city first selected a developer for this property. And they selected Marion Group, which at the time I recall as one of the neighbors who had been to all those public meetings thinking, huh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember any of our neighbors being excited about the Marion Group's proposal. <laughs> Uh, not everybody was excited about the exact same proposal, but I do know that there was a lot of interest in the Underhill proposal, which ended up getting selected in a second round. So this this I, I don't want to dive too much into the history of all imaginations, but there was it, the, the deal with Marion Group fell through. And after uh, a legal threat about the Paristown Preservation Trust parking lot and their agreement, for that, for, for using that city parking lot at Paris Town Hall, the city ultimately agreed to a leasing of it to the uh, Paris Town uh, Preservation Trust. An out-of-court settlement led to the trust to buy the lot for a dollar and keep it for parking. Marion was paid half a million dollars to help cover its pre-construction work, and Metro government agreed to pay another $150,000 from the budget of Louisville Forward, the agency overseeing the Urban Government Center site. And in the end, the settlement also also shaved off that two-acre Vine Street parking lot. Now, um, J Jeff has already uh, outlined some of the, the Underhill proposal that was then accepted again in, remind me when that was, just November or October? Uh, in November of 20. November of 20, uh, after another delay. <laughs> <laughs> the city uh, and another RFP process, the city went ahead and, and awarded to Underhill for this $58 million or so investment that had from the very beginning a, a city match, about 20% a city match. And tell, explain to the listeners, Jeff, why that was necessary, uh, why Underhill couldn't just pay for it all, right? Well, ultimately, in order to renovate, to build out uh, as per the RFP, uh, you know, our job was to put together certainly a budget so that it wasn't just 
fiction yeah. uh, or a vision. <laughs> it was something we could deliver. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we went through with a with a, a priority on preservation and saving these uh, vast buildings that we think is, a, a, you know, a, a big part of the neighborhood. And it's also part of the density that's important in maintaining green space all around it. Uh, the park-like setting, the campus setting, the, the mature trees that are there to maintain the seven-story building, its architecture, the four-story building, and the power plant. And then to build around it with infill that would create a neighborhood grocery, farmer's market, daycare, uh, neighborhood gym, cafe, uh, and, and restaurant are the various things that we have promoted and that were, were agreeable with uh, over 80% of, of the respondents. So um, in the end, we look at what are what would be our construction cost and what would be the rents that we could generate out of this space. And so then we have to back up and say, what can we bring in an investment? What can we bank for this? And we came up, our numbers showed that we would be able to carry approximately $50 million. That meant that in order to deliver on all those other desired community benefits... Which we, the city asked for, right? This, which this, the city asked this for. This isn't just Jeff Underhill's fancy idea of community benefits. This it was would, a requirement, It would be right? different if we bid on this property in an auction... And we were the winning bidder, and you know yeah, now do yeah, it, yeah. do what with it as you think that you can bank. This was a, a different premise, and that is that in order to develop this property, we need to meet these community benefits. We need to win a beauty contest here, and that is that we need to be selected that ours delivers the most community benefits in the most desirable way. And I think that decision was overwhelming in the neighborhood the surrounding areas as well as the selection committee so and then we were asked in the rfp in our submittal is there any city money that you are seeking as part of your proposal so we answered very much affirmatively that in order to build out what we what we're committed to do we were asking for 8.7 million in our exchange with Louisville Forward, they noted two things they they said that, that, that we needed to include. So they got changed to $13.7 million. The environmental we were, remediation costs and things like that. Yes, and then a payment to LMHA. That, so our, our, our proposal got revised to $13.7 million ask and was accepted. By the, by the committee with that ask for city money. So when there, when there is a mention of a gap, the gap was always intended that that was part of city financing to deliver this, this large list of community benefits. When they have mentioned that there was, uh, there was a disclaimer about no city money, that was not in the RFP, and that was only added to the city website our Louisville Ford website after we were selected. Right, right. And and I sh I'll, I'll go to Sean next, but I, I also want to point out that th there's city money in this project right now. It is costing the city a lot of money to keep this property vacant in so many different ways. I mean, it, nobody's really tallied it all up, but I will put a link in the show notes to this program that's available at FordRadio.org uh, to a WDRB story, which kind of catalogs some of the ongoing costs, but I don't think they even added up, like, what's the cost of LMP? PD responding to security concerns. You know, there's lighting. Like, if you really added it up, it's significant. And of course, there's the loss of the tax base uh, from the occupants as well as the jobs that will be created by this development. As big as the actual cost are, 
being incurred right now, the bigger cost are the opportunity cost of what's being lost right, as right. this d- devalues the property around it and and uh, what could be right. uh, for this neighborhood in spurring additional redevelopment. Sean, go ahead. So when, Jeff, if you can help me as a resident understand when I hear that there is an expense for the community benefits, um, I personally would would vote for the request to have those community benefits. Um, I do understand a little bit that there's an expense there, um, but for laymen, can you help us understand what that really means? Because, all right, if we have green space, why, what is the cost of that and how, how do we pay for that? So I think for some people not sitting in a development community, what does that really yeah, mean? Great question, Sean. Yeah. So, uh, in reality, it's not separated about these dollars go to that in <laughs> right, right. use. It is more about what is the total cost to deliver on what was requested and what we proposed. Add up those numbers. Now look back and say of the rental space we will be creating for affordable housing, for a grocery store, for uh, a, a daycare, um, the various components that we've proposed, what will that justify in expenditures or in a bank loan? Mm. And that came up to approximately $50 million. Therefore, to deliver on $58 million, it, we requested the 8.7 city participation. Which I think it's important to point out is peanuts compared to some other recent projects, right? Uh, if you look at how much inve- the city invested in the Omni, for instance, yeah. right? Uh, this yeah, is nothing, yeah, they, right? Yeah, well, this is Steve Weiser, and you just hit upon a, uh, <laughs> a sore spot with me about the Omni because I've been trying to save Liberty Hall down there yes, as well. Yes, yes. But yeah, we gave the city gave Omni one hundred and forty mil over one hundred forty million dollars. Oh for a luxury hotel and, and 220 luxury apartment locations there. And for the city, and and Jeff is just asking for less than 10% of what they the city gave to Omni. Right. So it's apples and oranges here. Why are we subsidizing a billion-dollar hotel company, whereas on Paris Town, Germantown, we are not subsidizing them in any manner mm-hmm. so uh, that's that's my rub yeah and what community benefits were there from the army give me a freaking break there is no grocery there. <laughs> there's no grocery no store grocery <laughs> that they promised to deliver to exactly us. exactly so i i think what i'm gathering from this is the green space the affordable housing component grocery uh, farmers market all of these things are going to reduce the amount of rents to pay the debt service right. is that correct correct it, okay you know it, it let me say this if a if another proposal wanted to come in and level all of the historic buildings if they wanted to He's maximize the square footage on that <laughs> on that property they might be able to not have an ask of the city the irony is that the uh, our opponent on this project actually does want to level right. the site. Mm. They want to have the city pay for a 900-car parking garage. Oh, just what we need. They want to build a hotel that they have admitted could not begin for at least five years. 
and they proposed a 150,000 square foot office tower, which I doubt our city finds of great need at this point in time. Yeah, and to the city's credit, they did not select that proposal. But, but their proposal, <laughs> if you took the cost of a parking garage and the $5 million Brownfields grant they were seeking, it would be over $30 million of public money going right. into that and project. And not only that, they were setting all this up in that trust fund, which would not pay property taxes. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So that Can I weigh in? Yes, please. For, Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. So I, I think that I sort of feel like this conversation is going in the wrong direction. Well, take because, us in a different direction. We're down with that. Because I don't think we should be discussing the merit, merits of Mr. Underhill's proposal. His proposal was accepted. Right. It's right. a good proposal. To, to relitigate that is, 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 is a waste of airtime. I mean, really, the issue here is that this is a window of opportunity yes. to close it. We're at record low interest rates. The feds are pushing huge sums to municipalities. That money is there. Um, that money wasn't there when the original um, request for proposals was formulated. Yes, thank and you. And so th th this, this, this discussion about money is misplaced. The money is available. The money is there. The interests for the city are, are transparent. What we're dealing with is uh, 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 malpractice, Gover governance malpractice, because it, 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 I, can, I can deal with corruption. I have a hard time with stupidity. We've gone from <laughs> corrupt to stupid here. And um, what, what really needs to be discussed is how can we shame the administration or put political pressure on the administration to follow through on its commitment to develop the parcel with the agreed upon plan and not talk about this is why this is better than that. Frankly, the Smith proposal, the proposal that, that we're discussing as the opponent's proposal, that wasn't a proposal. That was that my dog ate the homework. <laughs> it was a joke. There were no details. It was, it, it was literally the most laughable thing. There was no substance to it whatsoever. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It can't seriously be presented as an alternative. Yeah. So uh, the, the real issue is, in this process, what remains completely opaque is why the money to get the ball rolling hasn't been dispersed, and what other political considerations, which are certainly what are driving this whole debacle, what are those considerations? You know, this, it, 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 it's on, on paper, none of this makes sense. Justin, uh, Nick hit the nail on the head. Um, the issue is not about the mayor's administration. They have chosen not to participate in funding up to this point. They had $60 million left over from last year's budget. There are many needs that our city has. Um, they have not devoted dollars toward this project, which they selected. However, as Nick properly identified in moving forward, this is not about blame for anything. Yeah. The city administration didn't choose to follow through on this project. However, the window of opportunity is upon us, and that is that with the efforts of John Yarmouth, this city has received a pledge of $388 million in ARPA funds, of which only a small portion has been pledged so far. So if you believe the article posted yesterday, there is still $340 million uncommitted out of those funds. The question is, out of all the wants, all the needs for our community, where does this one weigh in? Does this merit with its bricks and mortar and the various ways it will pay back and it, and it will encourage additional investment around it, is this worthy to get a piece of that $340 million? Ultimately, the decision, the mayor's office 
and Louisville Forward are only can recommend a budget. But in the end, it is the Metro Council, 26 elected officials in our city that ultimately decide on the the expenditure of ARPA funds and on the disposition of public property. So that's the bottom line is it's no longer taking this issue to Louisville forward to the neighbors, to the mayor. It is taking it to the Metro Council and it is not just about who's the representative from Paris Town or, or right. It, this is a citywide issue. Yeah. So just to be clear for <clears throat> listeners who aren't familiar, ARPA is the American Rescue Plan Coronavirus Local Fiscal Recovery Funds, right? So these are uh, $340 million yet to be appropriated uh, that the Metro Council could choose to allocate for projects like this, as far as I'm aware. I don't know if anybody wants to correct me on that. Uh, but I, I want to share with the listeners the fact that uh, there, the, the Metro Council uh, Budget Committee is uh, will have three hearings across the community to take public comments about the use of these ARPA funds. And speakers can sign up before the start of each meeting to speak for a maximum of five minutes. And let me just share with you all the meeting schedule. This is brand new, hot off the press news. The, the meetings are going to be Saturday, July 17th, out at UofL's Shelbyhurst campus uh, at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 9001 Shelbyville Road in the Founders Union Building. Then on Monday, July 19th, they'll be out at the Southwest Regional Library, 9725 Dixie Highway, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And the third uh, hearing will be Monday, July 26th in we on West Broadway at West Broadway Church of Christ, 3921, from 6 to 8 p.m. I will put links or information about those meetings, again, if you missed it, up on the show notes for this program at forwardradio.org. We're talking today about the Urban Government Center redevelopment project in Paristown and the proposal that has been accepted by the city but not funded by the city called Paristown Green. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of guests here in the studio in person and online that I'm just going to briefly reintroduce for everybody. I'm one of the neighbors, Justin Mogg, in Paristown. With me are neighbors Sean Sinnott and uh, Nick Mellon. Uh, but we also have some local experts, Martina Konecki, uh, Neighborhood Planning and Preservation. We've got Steve Weiser, a retired architect. And we've got two folks affiliated with the project who are updating us on it. Uh, Jeff Underhill from Underhill Associates and Sherry Rose, CEO and Executive Director of the Thrive Center. Uh, I, I loved what Nick said about re refocusing the conversation on a way forward and uh, um, if folks want to pop in and talk about uh, the, the, the ARPA funding, too, we can talk about that. But I also want to give Sherry a little time to talk about sort of the vision of, you know, if, you know, why would a listener want to advocate for this? Let's talk more about uh, what this vision for redevelopment is. Martina, I know you want to jump in quick here. Yeah, I do want to jump in. And I, and I want you all to go on to more positive topics because <laughs> this is very depressing <laughs> deals with so many depressing topics every day yeah yeah and so i want to support nick and his comments but i need to go a step further all right we need to take our heads out of the sand <laughs> and stop compartmentalizing these issues i you know i i recognize the need to advocate before metro council yada 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 but folks, Metro Council has been part of the problem mm. here. And so this is not just an isolated incident where we're gonna where we should be running around with our buckets trying to capture any <laughs> dollars that come down. There's a very troubling pattern in this city 
that it's going to be up to the community to solve and not we have to stop letting the city and the games that they play have us running around in circles. There's so much I've heard today and that I know from being, you know, trying to landmark this building and being involved in other development challenges across the community. We have a repeating pattern. We have the appearance of proper process, but it is not. These processes leading to these decisions are actually fraudulent because they mislead the community into thinking that they have a voice, that they have power. The last time I was aware of this project, or we were monitoring it closely, was when the proposals, the latest round of proposals were out there and the community was asked to look at the proposals. About a year ago, right? Yeah. And so, and clearly Underhill, for the second time, I believe, was preferred by most of the folks that preferred to that participated. So most of the public is thinking, okay, that's a done deal. Right. Uh, well, you know, things are going to be happening. What happens in this city is that uh, folks are set up to fail. The public is misled by participating in a process that has nothing to do with what has been agreed to behind closed doors. These are significant issues of public corruption. And once again, we're being herded to run to Metro Council and beg them, beg them, please. Beg people that work for us, <laughs> that bullied us. When, when are you going to run for office? <laughs> they are costing us money by the minute and we're not holding them accountable. So I hear what Jeff says about let's focus on trying to get Metro Council to do the right thing. The good news is that there are a couple on Metro Council who seem to be more ready to question uh, the status quo. The bad news is that this community is in trouble. You know, after COVID and whatnot, there's going to be a lot of demands on those dollars. So I just do not advise moving forward in a vacuum, being compartmental, you know, compartmentalizing this problem or being herded the way the powers that be like to hurt us. We have got to let everyone know what this community expects. And MPP will help whoever try to get the voices to direct uh, directed towards that issue because that's the real issue here and before i let anyone respond for just real quick i think this is a great moment for you to mention the citizens coalition for land use reform uh, yeah I yeah i would like to mention that this is a group of citizens from all over metro louisville um mpp was asked to participate because we have you know connections to folks all over mm -hmm. metro louisville and it came into being because there was concern by folks all over the community about the city's most recent land use reform efforts which they were parading about under the auspices of racial e equity because that's the word now as an african-american woman i can tell you i am offended how mm. they have used that term to advance so many things. Mm. So this is a group of people that um, we bring folks together every other Tuesday in the community to talk about their development concerns. So we have talked about the folks out in southwestern Jefferson County who eventually won their case, who were opposing a semi-truck fueling station nice. being built in their neighborhood. This is something you find on a highway, yeah. not in a neighborhood. Yeah. 
uh, we've talked to the folks. We've highlighted the folks out in Wolfpin Branch and uh, Floyd's Fork who are fighting, you know, a big uh, 75,000 square foot warehouse or hardware facility. Also a wastewater treatment plant that is not needed. It is being built in anticipation of more sprawl wow. out in the community. Yeah. So we deal with a lot of issues. So we would like for folks involved in this issue to be part of the, the next community conversation. And that's on, July 13th at 5.30, I believe. It's at 5.30. And if whoever wants to be involved in that, they can just email me their email address and we will send them the link. It's all virtual. All right. I'll put your email address in the show notes for this program. Is it easy to say over the air? It is. It's N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, P as in Paul, NPP, Kentuckiana, all one word, all lowercase at gmail.com. Great. All right. I think Sean wanted to jump in or did Jeff, did somebody want to jump in to, to what she was saying earlier? Well, <laughs> well, I will say this is Sean Senate again. I will say, Mar Mar Martina, that, you know, when you address thinking of this as a community positive issue, I have a young child in the house. Um, there, there is very little space for us to take her and ride her skateboard or, or eat a picnic yeah. in the park. There are a lot of little children that live right in my corridor on Schiller and Breckenridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have elderly people that would benefit from a, a nice place to be to access for food uh, entertainment, those type of things. But I think, you know, Martina, one of the things that I'm so excited about meeting you today is I'm very passionate about architecture and history. And when we look at the hospital, it would appear to me that Peter Berghardt Mar Marble Company, which did Cave Hill Cemetery entrance and, and did the, the JCC College limestone building on the corner over there, or which is now JCTC, um, we have an opportunity to integrate one of the most beautiful pieces of architecture in this community in a living, breathing ecosystem that will not only serve benefits, but actually create revenue to pay for the city stepping up to the table. Mm. So when we think about the cost net benefit of the tax dollars, when, when I go to buy some fruit or, or I buy a service from a chiropractor, or, or, or maybe an attorney that has an office there. Um, it, 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 it makes so much sense to get it done. Yeah. Because yes. w it's, it's been sitting there for so long. And, you know, I have to tell Natalie, <clears throat> my girlfriend's daughter, you can't go beyond the fence and play in the grass because it's, it's, it's a blighted project. Mm. And, and this is an, every week conversation well hmm. why why are there now a bunch of garbage cans there well honey they're using it as a warehouse yeah. For, yeah. for public service so for me we're literally blending together the perfect fusion of architectural history community service and just great breathing of of utilizing something that is so gorgeous yeah so, I mean, I could go on forever, but that's really my, well, that's, my opinion. That's great. And well, can I, can I just say one thing real yep. quick? Real quick. And then I'll shut up. Don't. The, the historic <laughs> Do not shut up. Lost, 
the losses that we I'm, I'm so in agreement with you sean about just the quality of neighborhood life that is just totally absent now that mm -hmm. was there when i lived there when that was a fully functional building and i will share with justin the historic um a piece that I wrote about the hospital building and the nurses building. Nice. But we are also suffering a cultural loss. Right. That's very significant history. The building of that structure marked the introduction of modern medical practices in mm. this community. Wow. That is significant. It represented an opportunity for the nurses. Uh, Jeff talks about the park-like setting. That was by design right. to have a collaborative convenient way to introduce people in the community to access to care that they did not have before. So there's so much here that can, we need to protect. Can I can say, Martina, first of all, two, two things very quickly. Your comments are absolutely correct. However, due to the structure as it is today, and knowing what Justin referred to with the ARPA funding, the reality is the, the rules of the game are this. And so I'm not arguing whatsoever with your comments. They're, they're, they're correct. But it seems to me that right now, for sake of time, addressing this with Metro Council in the forum and the dates that Justin's going to fare, is going to share is the forum for you to speak to a bigger audience we have to keep anybody who presents to five minutes, but to, to take your comments and put it in five minutes and others, Nick, who want to express it. And, and, and again, not about complaining, but how to do something Metro council that's proactive to bring about what the taxpayers want to see. I will also say this is uh, the perfect bridge I think to Sherry, that's what I was to go say, back yeah. to the historic use of those buildings, but what is envisioned with Thrive as the conduit. Yes, let's hear from you, Sherry. Yeah, and it's interesting listening to um, all of the comments because I want to take it from politics to people. Yeah, and that's really what we're about uh, as a nonprofit here in town, and we have so many services that we provide with innovative technologies around gait and mobility. And we talk here in Louisville about being the uh, aging care epicenter. Mm -hmm. And we're an age-friendly city. Well, what's that mean? You know, what does it really mean? We have companies that are headquartered here. Uh, we may increase the time for you to cross the street um, if you're an older adult, but we want to take it so much further. Mm -hmm. And what we do here uh, in partnership with Bellarmine University's PT students and faculty, Spalding's OT students and faculty, uh, University of Louisville, Kent School of Social Work, we really introduce them into innovative approaches to caring for aging adults. What we like about what Underhill and Associates has proposed is this is a multi-generational walkable community that he has proposed. You, can, you have access to grocery, you have access to a daycare, you have access to programs that we want to bring in there and really create a global model. None of the technologies here should stay here. They're being adopted throughout the US. They're being adopted into uh, senior living communities and globally. Um, what we would like to do is, is build it out into a senior living uh, 
affordable living to where we know how we can drive healthcare outcomes. We will know ahead of there being a fall because we can do gate and balance assessments. We can educate on medications. Uh, actually, we're having a big event here around fall prevention week. And these are pro bono services that we partner with universities on. And we're gonna talk about meds and uh, mobility. These are things that keep um, a community healthy and drive healthcare outcomes. And with Bellarmine, uh, you know, part of that property is also looking at it being uh, dormitory uh, for the Bellarmine students. And we're in a lot of projects with them right now, but just to have them walk over, engage with the residents, uh, have them uh, be assessed, have them engage them in programs like what we're going to do with Highland Community Ministries this summer. That's working with an OT student and it's around music therapy on really building up um, their mood levels and making them feel good about themselves. And that's what um, we're trying to do. You know, there's so many technologies that are out there now that are non-intrusive technologies that can really monitor that older adult. We all want to age at home. Would, are any of us raising our hands to go into senior living communities? No, <laughs> no. We go there because there's no one to care for yeah. us, no one monitoring us. Uh, we have older adults who are lonely and isolated, and we have a way to really uh, drive some healthcare outcomes and uh, be a part of that community. This is what we're getting asked to do across the U.S. Wow. And Martina, I will tell you, someone from Huntington, West Virginia reached out to me and there's a historic hotel there called the Pritchard Hotel. And they are restoring that and they're making it senior living apartments. And they said to me, would you please come to West Virginia and would you put a Thrive Center on the main floor of that? We know what you're doing. Uh, we bring the biggest tech companies in here where we do quarterly events and we're looking at uh, what's the future. And I will tell you, the home is the healthcare hub of the future. It's where we wanna be, it's how we need to be cared for. And what we liked about uh, what Jeff has proposed is that we could walk in there with wraparound services and really demonstrate what an age-friendly community is in this town. And then you become the epicenter of aging. Not the companies that are headquartered here, but what are we doing about it? Hmm. Sherry, that is great. Thank you so much for that. And you brought up Bellarmine as another partner. I wonder, we haven't mentioned what all the other partners in the Paris Town Green proposal are. So, I mean, in, in terms of visioning the, the, the future that we want to advocate for, uh, what does this look like, Jeff, in terms of other partners? Uh, Thrive Center, as Sherry mentioned, uh, was not even part of our proposal and they introduced themselves and we quickly uh, fell into their lap in terms of <laughs> welcoming them uh, because they take what's bricks and mortar and they bring a level of services that integrates the graduate community. For the, and ironically, Bellarmine has over 400 graduate students, has never had a home on campus for right, graduate right. students. They have told us that it is immeasurable uh, benefits that they can derive from this because by creating a community of Bellarmine students that are graduate under one roof, that creates an a, a uh, 
a long-lasting impact that creates a sense of community for them that they don't have currently and have nice. not had in all the decades they've been here. That will cause more grad students they're confident to want to stay in Louisville, provide their, their, their services in Louisville to give back to the community because of what they create under that roof. Now, ironically, that was, as Martina said in the old hospital, that was the nursing building. And so we want to put nursing students, that is 300 of the 430 Bellarmine grad students are nursing students. The next component of Bellarmine grad students is about 100 physical therapy students. And then after that, it's sports management. But, but we're not trying to house all of them. Uh, we want to create an environment for about 60 to 65 students in that, in that building. And as um, Sherry has pointed out, this is a beautiful resource for their education that rather than just sitting in a classroom, they are a close satellite community to Bellarmine, mm. 0.9 miles from Bellarmine. But they can interact with Thrive Center and would be a war- wonderful live, study, and work or co-op opportunity, much like UofL's done with UPS. Right. But this in their selected field, right next door, they have benefits of connectivity with Highland Community Ministries that their biggest purpose is to serve seniors community throughout the highlands neighborhoods but then across the street is kindred health care mm-hmm. and so to include that with thrive the connectivity for these students to prosper and to have job opportunities to the end is terrific and all walkable wow but then while they are students the ability to serve the seniors community not in a nursing capacity but rather to encourage healthy living so these people are living a prosperous life and extending that healthy living uh, rather you know this is not a nursing facility yeah uh, can i mention one other irony sure. is that and we're talking about transition and change as sherry is just was just speaking about uh, the transition and thinking on senior living uh ironically when medical care changed its pattern of training of nurses it was the Baptist Hospital Nursing School that stayed open. It extended the time it was staying open until Bellarmine could get its nursing program together. So mm. we're coming full circle <laughs> yeah. in terms of community uh, partnerships and in terms of dealing with the ever-changing uh, social dynamics of care and community. That's great. Uh, we, we we want we've touched on it a little bit, but let's talk more. I mean, maybe Steve knows a little bit about this too, about the landmarking issue and why these why these buildings are historically significant. Well, I think uh, the participants here have already highlighted, uh, especially Sean here, uh, as to why they're significant and uh, valuable to the neighborhood. They're sustainable for one. Yeah. Uh, preservation is the most green form of construction there is. Any sort of new construction there will be uh, will add a lot more uh, unsustainable type construction. Anyways, but no, historic preservation, most green type construction. But I did want to say that um, the city has already struck out once with this situation. 
if it strikes out its second time, what makes them think that the third time is going to be the charm <laughs> on this? I know there's been another proposal about, well, we ought to give it another third try on this. Well, if it strikes out even a third time, it's over with. Jeff has the best proposal for this project. Historic preservation, it's green, sustainable, a lot of nonprofits involved with it. It's a game changer not only for Paris Town, Germantown, but the city in general. Let's get this done now. City officials should be on this right now and approve the money and let's get it under construction this fall. Martina, you want to talk about landmarking and what the process well, is? Well, you know, the significance of this property, Joseph and Joseph was a very uh, prosperous firm, Steve will tell you, in the last century. And several of their buildings still stand. These are buildings that were built to last and built to serve. And so uh, we had some uh, issues with the... Um, landmarking process uh, because of COVID and other things. Mm. And so we are, will be contacting Cynthia Johnson today uh, at the city to let her know that we want to put this back on the table. We want to do both written and on um, uh, online surveys because they have allowed uh, recently for that to happen. So we will be reaching out regarding this and two other properties, actually. There's a log cabinet risk, and um, there's a lot going on in Jefferson yeah. County in yeah, terms yeah. of demolition by neglect and backroom deals. Yeah, Liberty Hall is a good example, right, Martina? Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. Liberty Hall is a very good example what? of the waste. You know, once again, this is public property. Right, right. Is being allowed to go to waste while we pay for it what, and do without. What benefits so, so come with the landmarking? Sean's asked, yeah, about benefits of landmarking. Well, first of all, as Steve said, the greenest building are, are the existing buildings. So you don't have a lot of debris going to the landfill. You don't have the noise pollution. You don't have the air pollution because when you're digging and drilling and tearing down the particles go into the air so that's one ex one example of a benefit the other example and i you know i know steve's an architect and and for those that build new things there's no way we can build something as sturdy as that building right. or those buildings are right now and so at the end of the day we believe you're going to have a superior pro uh, product in addition to a concrete example that we can see and use that demonstrates our commitment to our history. It's not enough to throw up a marker. Let's say we respect the work of Joseph and Joseph. We respect the history that goes with that. And we're using that as a foundation to go forward in the future. And, and landmarking provides some legal protections for the historic structures. But I, I think that's... Well, it provides another hurdle. Another that, hurdle. <laughs> yeah, the powers that be. That's another issue because we need to look at that again. Yeah. So unfortunately, Metro Council gave itself the power to overturn oh, landmarking. Okay. And so, but that's an issue that's under review. Hmm. So... Believe me, folks, there are other people in this community talking about all aspects of the problems yeah. that we've talked about today. And I urge you to, and you know, I'm with you, Jeff, on forging ahead and lobbying with Metro Council. We will help with that. But I really urge everyone to invest some time in looking at these larger issues. Mm. And this group, Citizens Coalition for Land Use Reform, is a good place because we're touching, or they are touching, 
uh, on many issues. The thing that's impressive about it is people from all over. So zip codes all over. It's young people, which is so great. Mm. And old gargoyles like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how dare you say that? I, we're, we're nearing the end of our time together, but I did, I did hear Nick. I think Nick wanted to jump in with something. Yeah. I mean, what I learned from this meeting is that um, uh, the, the, the people who will decide what happens with the parcel is Metro Council. And there are three meetings coming up. Yep. And people need to go to each of these locations to voice their concerns. I think that we want to reach as large a public as possible using this opportunity. And um, one one point that uh, has also emerged from this discussion, at least I think it's implicit, is that there is no developer anywhere who is going to develop this parcel without the city making a commitment yeah. <laughs> covering some of the costs. It doesn't, the numbers it's don't fantasy, add up. It's a fantasy, yeah. And if they, if they, if they wait, if, they, if, if we wait until the new mayor is in office, we're two years down the road, interest rates will be high. There's a decent chance interest rates will be higher than they are now. This will be a project that is going to be much more difficult to do. And so as a practical matter, if we can get before Metro Council and present them with arguments why this has to happen now, why the Underhill plan, which has been uh, fully vetted, which has been agreed upon twice by the community, agreed upon once by the city, should be the way forward, we can go forward. But the the key issue is Metro Council has to step up and make a commitment to fund some of the development. Otherwise, it simply won't happen. And uh, I'll just add to, in addition to these three public hearings, you can also submit written comments. So if you can't attend, you can submit written written comments to the Metro Council's Budget Committee. I'll put a link to how you can do that in the show notes for this program at forwardradio.org. And again, those dates are July 17th at Shelby Herbst Campus at 11 a.m., July 19th at the Southwest Regional Library at 6.30 p.m., and July 26th at 6 p.m. at West Broadway Church of Christ. We've just got a couple minutes left. If anybody had anything burning that they wanted to wrap us up with go ahead sean so one of the things that i'd like to highlight is the sherry's particular business thrive and the benefit of bringing together children and geriatric population is there is a, a scientific fact that when you bring together the geriatric population and youth it creates a stimuli in the geriatric population to where their cognitive abilities right. actually grow. And with with not every family having a dad or a mom in the house, how, how much can our children benefit in the neighborhood from being able to hang out with geriatric population right. to, to tell the story of the history of, of how we got where we are today? Yeah. There's so many symbiotic synergistic benefits of this particular project there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't dig ground tomorrow and invest as a public in these kinds of projects nobody else is going to make it happen it has to be a public project right so it seems like a reasonable use of some of this 340 million dollars that we've yet to decide what to do with through arpa uh well we've just got to wrap up i'm sorry we could probably talk for a whole another hour on this but uh, i just want to let people know who just tuned in you've been listening to truth to power with me justin mogg here on forward radio having a conversation about the redevelopment of the urban government center uh and the proposal paristown green from underhill and associates uh, you just heard from one of my 
my neighbors in Paris Town, Sean Sinnott. Nick Mellon has also joined us today. Thanks to both of my neighbors for being here. And then we had some great experts talking about this project. Uh, uh, retired architect Steve Weiser, uh, Martina Konecki from Neighborhood Planning and uh, Preservation, and Sherry Rose joined us, uh, Executive Director of the Thrive Center, which you can learn more about at thrivecenterky.org. I want to thank everybody for taking the time for joining me today. Kind of last minute, but we pulled it together. <laughs> thank you all so it's much for awesome. being here. Thanks thank for the opportunity. Thank you very much. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. More great stuff coming up here on Forward Radio, and we will be back in your ears again in one week's time with more Truth to Power.